Hello and welcome to Yagmoth Soap Opera, episode 47. Welcome to the big show. Just like to take a moment to uh, tell you what's going on here today, guys. Um, we normally record the podcast ahead of time and have time to edit it up and get it ready for you. But given the amount of data that's been firing in the, uh, the classic winter celebrations, we want to give you as much current and up-to-date real-time information as possible. So to enable us to do that, um, myself and our regular co-hosts of uh, George and Zach are going to try and record the podcast on the fly, live recorded, unedited. Um, I also should mention that we're recording at a very different time um, than we normally do. It's early morning here, so my children may wake up and uh, say hello to the podcast as well. But we'll do our best to keep the show professional, um, and we'll, we'll try and move on. We've got an awful lot of data to look at this week. Uh, thankfully, um, George has been on top of things. He's been uh, documenting all of the uh, daily events and celebration events which have fired throughout the, uh, the last few weeks, over a uh, few days over the Christmas period. Um, so we're going to have a look at those decks see who's qualified for the big championship and talk about um, what, what decks are really hitting the, hitting the money and qualifying people for this event and then George is going to talk about um, one of his latest decks, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. So we should jump straight in and have a look at the, um, the data that we've, uh, we've captured so far. So George, do you want to lead us in? Yeah, sure. And I'll just mention that as always, we are hosted by PureMTGO.com and sponsored by MTGOTraders.com. Don't want to forget them in the live broadcast. So, uh, all right, we've got so many events. There's like, I think there's 27 events in this article. Um, two of them don't really count because they happened before the celebration started. But of them, the one on 1220 is very interesting because Kiribo, who played in his very first daily event, Four O's with a red-white hate deck. Um, and then has continued to tear it up and is just outside of the top eight in the Classic Player of the Year race in eight days. Uh, that's insane that he can gather, gather so much momentum and gain so many points in the race. Uh, people have been grinding out this uh, for, for months now, and uh, thanks to the championships, this one guy rocks up, he qualifies for champs, and he continues to grind, and he finds himself... Uh, on, 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 on the cusp of uh, hitting player of the year top eight. Uh, his yeah, he went cool. from zero uh, to 18 in eight days. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. but <clears throat> sorry, his first, um, his first event, he must have had a good idea of what the meta was looking like. He must have been at least on the fringe of the format because this deck does look very legit for uh, a way to attack the classic meta game with uh, four Magus of the Moon, four Leonin Arbiter, four Kotaku's Wars Wage, and, and a couple of Hero of the Oxridge, and he's got Stoneforge Mystic as well, but he's also got two Goblin Vandal. <coughs> um, looks like a really cool deck. I'm not surprised that it was able to uh, to make the money for him, but it's really cool that he's, uh, he's so close to qualifying for uh, top eight. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the deck, you definitely see something that doesn't look classic, but the cards that he picked to put in there, he knew what he was doing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's got Battlefield Forge, um, which I guess is a budget option. Um, you know, could, could so much better um, if it was a plateau. Um, but like you say, he's got um, he's got everything there that, that mixes it up in classic. Uh, so props to him, and it shows that you know classic is a format that you can get into and uh, hit the ground running on if you're prepared just to kind of uh, experiment a little bit. I think so, the um, uh, <coughs> I think the old standby still exists. If you can fight Dredge, Oath, and Shop, you got a chance. Um, well, he can definitely fight all of the blue decks with his uh, Magus of the Moons. 
And then his sideboard does have a healthy amount, healthy being five, a uh, healthy amount of dredge hate. He's also running... Well, I contend he has even more because... Yeah, okay, I, I understand, you know, you have X dredge hate and he can kill stuff, but the Magus of the Moons are pretty dredge hatey. I mean... Yes, this is true. They, that's an annoying card for them to play against, not only just because they want that bizarre, but also because they need that mana to stop whatever graveyard killing things he has. He's also he's also got lightning bolts to off his own guys on for bridges. Nice, nice. I like that. All right, so... I guess that brings us to the celebration events. That's right. So, George, you want to take a little bit of time to tell us about the, the format of the celebration events and how you qualify for the championships? All right. So, for anyone who doesn't know, and my question to you is, if you don't know about this, how are you listening to Yawgmoth Soap Opera? The two don't seem to go together. But, anyway, from December 21st until January 4th, there are, I believe, 90 scheduled classic events. Maybe a little bit more than 90. <clears throat> and if you play in a daily event and go 4-0, you get a foil ponder, textless, a regular textless ponder, and an invitation to the Winter Celebration Championships. If you top 8 a classic premiere event, the same benefits slide down to you as a 4-0 in a daily event. Um, the championships is an invitation only. Participating gives you a foil textless ponder, and winning it, first place is four foil wish cards from Classic. And then on down the line, going from four regular wishes to, I believe, just one regular wish, down to fifth through eighth. So, I'm just going to play dumb here. Uh, what's a wish, George? A wish. This is what they did with the modern celebration. People were complaining that modern cards were too expensive. So... A, get off your soapbox. We've got cards that cost as much as your whole deck. Um, B, what it is, is that you can pick any card that is legal and classic that was sold in a draftable set on Magic Online, and you get a digital copy of that, foil or regular, depending on your placing. Pretty cool, pretty cool. So last last weekend in the podcast, I was a little bit critical of the choice of uh, foil textless ponder, but those uh, have been flying into the system and have been selling for a fairly hefty whack. Uh, yeah, but I believe that part of the reason that the ponder is selling so high is because these events are not cranking out the promos like the Modern Celebration did. Absolutely. We've got, uh, according to the data that we have, there are only 40 foil um, ponders out there. Maybe 41. There was at least one eight-man event that fired. Good. And there'll be a heap that come in, I guess, from the champs. Yeah, every qualified person will get an extra foil ponder when the champs hits. Good, good. Okay, so I guess we should have a look at the, the data from the celebration, see who's made the championships and how they got there on their journey. Definitely. Uh, we have a lot of events uh which kind of makes you think we're going to have a lot of variants as far as the, the decks that are doing 4-0s. And I think we see exactly that when we go down some of this data. And uh, as you said before, George was nice enough to collect all this, and he made it pretty easy to read on the site here. So it'll say uh, date, event type, and the winning deck. And if there's more than one, he'll list both of them here. And 
just going down, it, it's kind of interesting to see. Uh, it looked like they're in chronological order, so it's, it's <coughs> Some of the events in the day are not in the right order. For instance, the first Classic Daily on 1222 mm-hmm. could very easily have been the last Classic Daily that fired. Which is uh-huh. fair. I mean, if something fires on the same day, it's the same day. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no time stamp on the Decks of the Week page. Definitely. So, what I think, what I think is cool is we're having more daily events firing a day than we did in a month in in the middle of uh, the classic lull of the summer. Oh, oh my shit. goodness! And we fired a premiere event. How about that? Absolutely awesome. Um, it, but it, it goes to show that there are people interested in classic if uh, if the support's there and the events are timed correctly and there's something to work towards. So that's cool. So um, how, how are we going to do this, guys? We're going to go through day by day and have a look at the. Uh, the deck that qualified? Uh, I mean, I don't know if we need to actually look at these decks. A lot of them are old. Um, we can definitely go down and say what uh, one for the listeners at home that don't have the article in front of them. Sounds fair. That, that sounds like a good plan. So do you want to start us off with the 21st, George? All right. So on the 21st, the very first day, we had two events. Um, the first one was won by a blue-white Delver deck, which... I believe had Stoneforge Mystics, kind of like a legacy version. And the other event of the day was won by a Bant Delver deck and Sun Titan Dredge. There were two four O's in that day. So what was in the Bant Delver deck? Can you remember? Was that like Tamagoyf and No, it was very similar to all the other uh, Delver decks, except it used Nature's Claim as the green part and Swords of Plowshares and Stoneforge as the white. Okay, that sounds legitimate. Uh, on the 22nd, we had four events that fired, and the first one was taken down by Sun Titan uh, Dredge and Good Game Oath. Um, the second one by Shoth, which was the show-and-tell Oath-style deck, um, which typically packs um, Channel to get out an Emrakul on uh, turns two or three. And then the other two decks of the day were taken down by Workshops. Um, so the interesting thing about the 22nd is that these two Workshop decks... Well, first of all, there are only three workshop decks that have four owed out of the 40. So, workshops is way on the decline. But second of all, this is the first deck to successfully use Tanglewire, and it looks like this might be the Tanglewire build going forward. Okay, well, I guess uh, I guess we should have a quick quick look at that deck list then, and... Um... See if we can we can gather any information from it. So it's an interesting build with um, Cadolfa Forge Master and uh, Lodestone Golems, Metal Workers, um, Sphere of Resistance, Tanglewire, Thorn of Amethyst, and Chalice of the Void. So <clears throat> it's got um, all of the kind of resistors you'd expect. It's got the four um, the four Tanglewire, as George suggested, um, and it's packaged with a Metal Worker Forge Master build. Um, I like that he has a Blightsteel Colossus, a Sundering Titan, and a Platinum Angel as bullets for his Forge Master. I do not, however, like that he has no Staff of Domination as a bullet, with four Metalworkers. Yeah, it, seems, it seems like a, a staff that would be good. The Forge Master, he fetches any artifact, right? Yep. So his a Staff are... could literally win the game for him in the right situation. It, it literally could. I mean, I suppose Sundering Titan, Blightsteel, Colossus, and Platinum Angel can all win the game for you as well, but I don't know. Staff wins the game on the spot if you've got three artifacts in your hand. Agree, you like that. Um, another interesting thing to note is that this deck is running two Rishadin ports, 
which I did not think workshops would actually want or need. Yeah, I don't know if I'd run that. That's just me, but I don't know. I, I don't know why Rishadon ports any better than, like, say, Dust Bowl. If that thing's putting out mana, I mean, I think Dust Bowl is, you know, more of a permanent solution than uh, Rishadon port for, for shop builds, especially if they're running, you know, fat artifact mana-producing things. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, I, I like this deck. The, the Forge Masters definitely have a lot of good uh, synergy with Tanglewire. Because eventually they will just sit there and be a blank artifact. Good way to throw it away, you're right. So that brings us on to the 23rd, George. Uh, let's let Zach bring this one up. Okay. Yeah, so for the 23rd, we had a bunch of events. It looks like we had five, and not just that. We had uh, seven money decks. So the first three events, um, as they were posted here, are uh, kind of the decks that you, you're going to see a lot here. we got Sun Titan Dredge, which is the preferred dredge build, Good Game Oath, and I guess you won't see this one a lot, but you'll see the last word a lot, which is Mono Blue Delver deck. And the Delvers, you know, they've just been putting up results. Um, it's interesting to think that a creature that was kind of like looked past for the first couple weeks in the Innistrad release is now like... I don't want to compare it to Tarmogoyf and Legacy, but it's having a huge effect across the board from standard to uh, to classic. So Delver's yeah, a lot of people a lot of people said Snapcaster was the card that was broken in the set. I think Delver might be the most broken card in the set. I still think it's got to be Snapcaster. When we get if and when we get those cards that we're missing, Snapcaster will just be even better. Um, then the last two events on the day were both. Uh, it was pretty funny. It looks like they were both the exact same thing back-to-back. Uh, -back. We got a Shoth Affinity and a Shoth Affinity for the next two money. Um, personally, George knows, Andy knows, Shoth is very close to my heart, so it's really exciting to see the deck like springboarding back to life. Just like I like watching it from my chair thinking, wow, you guys are now seeing what's up with the channel bam, huh? Oh, man, people have been channel bamming to their heart's content. Exactly. There are so many Shotha Druid decks in the events. It's not even funny. Uh, such a cool combo, right? definitely. Well, we get led in next to the classic premiere, and it would only be fitting for George to take us into this one since he played in it and did something rather special. All right. So for any longtime fans of, I guess, my articles or just the clan itself, you know about Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Um, Zach originally came up with this idea just over two years ago, right with the release of uh, From the Vault Exiled, which gave us a whole bunch of awesome restricted cards in Classic. Um, and basically the idea back then was, let's jam as many different combo engines as we can into an uh, anti-dredge deck, which is what the deck essentially is, it's anti-dredge. Um, an interesting side note for anyone else who doesn't know, this deck was the 3-0 winner of the first Magic Online Championships Championship. Classic was uh, an event in that first event, and the winner that went 3-0 played the Cinnamon Toast Crunch deck. Definitely cool. Old school Magic Eternal fact right there. What did you do with it, George? Well, um... Two years, and roughly seven or eight sets have come out since then. And Well, seven or eight set sets that matter for Classic. 
counting, you know, the Tempest block, the Urza's block, the Mercadian block. And we've got a lot of strict upgrades. Blightsteel Colossus is a strict upgrade over Inkwell Leviathan. Um, Lion's Eye Diamond is a strict upgrade over Chrome Mox when we have Yoggamoth's Will to abuse it with. And basically this deck is five main deck combos. We've got Painter Servant Grindstone. We've got uh, Lion's Eye Diamond and uh, Yoggamoth's Will for Tendrils. We've got Tinker Blightsteel Colossus. We've got Time Vault and Voltaic Key to find any of the combos. And then we also have Leyline of the Void and Helm of Obedience. And if you want to get technical, I suppose you can uh, say that Dark Ritual Necropotence is also a combo. I was just about to jump on you there and say that. <laughs> so in the main deck, we have five slash six theoretical combos, two card combos. Um, and then in the sideboard, we transform into a fully functioning Good Game Oath deck. And, I mean, this deck is awesome. I played it in the premiere event, and I managed to get to the winner's circle. Well done. Well played. And uh, that's, uh, that's had a huge impact on the classic quarter player of the year race as well. Uh, it did. Before that event, I was lagging behind by 17 points. And now, as of this podcast, I believe I'm only nine points behind. Wow, good job, buddy. Keep it up. Yeah, so that that event looked, uh, that premiere event, it was good to see a classic premiere event fire. Um, But just for completeness sake, um, second going into the final against you playing Affinity was uh, Corobo again, the the new kid on the block. Um, So he did well to... uh, to end up in the final of, uh, of the Premier event. Um, he did the rest, of, the rest of the top eight was uh, Tommy Topdecker and uh, Clan Magic Eternal member Stuart ULK, who has uh, done really well in the classic season at Leagues this year. Um, Tommy was playing um, a, a Delver Snapcaster list, and um, Stuart was playing his ubiquitous um, Dredge deck. So that was the, the top four. The other players rounding out the top eight was the Magic Man, um, Sa- Sandy Dog MTG. Um, he's he's um, a, a very good a legacy player. Um, good to see him jumping into into some classic MNG and um, X Shockwave X. And X Shockwave X was rocking um, a Blightsteel um, Colossus deck with Dark Confidants, um, Jace the Mind Sculptors, and Engineered Explosives and the Crystal of Worlds. We had uh, the Mag- Mission's Mag- Workshops in his blue deck. That's really interesting, isn't it? What was he just trying to power out there? Just Crucible of Worlds and Chance of the Voids. Oh, uh, and the Vintage Disc. And pretty much. Interesting. Or Blightsteel Colossus. <laughs> uh, yeah, he definitely was able to hardcast Blightsteel, I'll guarantee it. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. I've not seen that before. Um, and the Magic Man had his um, fairly standard um, Jace Standstill deck. And... The other, um, Sandy had a a Sun Titan Dredge, and the other slot was taken up by a Stoneforge Mystic Delver deck. So that was the the top eight of the premiere event, and the first premiere event firing classic in a very, very long time. So I guess we should now continue on with the daily events in the classic celebration. On Christmas Day, uh, we had two events that fired, and... uh, 
the first was taken down by, by Good Game Oath, and the second was taken down by, by Merfolk. Um, so that uh, that rounds up that. And Boxing Day, just one event fired. The 26th um, Classic Daily event was taken down again by Affinity. So, Zach, do you want to take us into the 27th? Can, yeah. can I just say before we go to the 27th that Merfolk winning was a Christmas miracle? It was. I, I mean, yes, the metagame was ripe for it with all the oath, but... Merfolk, really? Merfolk? I thought that we were classic, not legacy. Dude, keep it up and someone's going to run with red deck wins. Somebody did place 3-1 with red deck wins. That's what I'm saying. They're always creeping on you, those cockroaches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good stuff, good stuff. So on the uh, on the 27th here, we had four events. And, and guys, it's really, really cool to see this kind of a thing happening. Let's just break the day in quadrants and say that's one every six hours. That's incredible. Incredible to get 16 people every six hours for classic events. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, today, that day, 27th, we had uh, Sun Titan Dredge, two Good Game Oath, and a Grixis Delver. I assume that's red, black, blue Delver. Um, that's correct. Dark, Dark Confidant, Delver of Secrets, and Snapcaster Mage is the creature package, but with lightning bolts as well. Oh, that's cool. Cool. So um, yeah, 27th. That those were the decks here. Uh, wow. Five events. Who's going to take the 28th? Andy, why don't you lead us in? Go on then. 28th. Five, five, five events. The first one got taken down by Workshops <coughs> and uh, Affinity. And the second one by Shof again. Uh, more people loving the old Channel Emrakle. The third event was um, Delva, um, Four Color Delva. And another Merfolk, proving that it wasn't just a Christmas Day miracle. I well, think important. That Merfolk was Excorpio, and he is amazing. <coughs> Absolutely, and uh, that qualifies him for champs as well. So it's going to be a, an interesting slog going into that final event for the for the player of the year race. Um, t on the the fourth event was uh, Shoth. Um, more people again loving uh, Channel Emrakul, and then the fifth event was two people with uh, Oath variants. One was Shoth, and one was Good Game Oath. Uh, and on if, to the 29th. You, if you look down at the 29th, it is the exact same: one Good Game, one Shoth. Yeah, so much Oath in these events. Um, interesting to note is that most of these Shoth players are uh, what you would call Magic Online ringers. Um, people like Bing Luke, Jarvis Yu, or Jarvis Yu. Uh, we've also got Dave Williams running these. Dr. Pennick, I believe, is one of the Slipper Kids. Okay, so they're basically just picking up uh, a deck which is very powerful and just rocking it into the money. Yes, a deck that Zach built, so... Kudos to Zach. <laughs> Kudos, time. exactly. Yeah, for those who don't remember, Zach took down season two with Good Game uh, Shoth. Definitely. And so, so that brings us up to the current play on the daily events and what's fired. And that gives you a flavor for the type of decks which have been running in these events and helping people to qualify. Um, we've got a couple of deck lists in the article next just for completeness sake. The first one is the the Cinnamon Toast Crunch list from uh, 2009 and the most recent then we've got the most recent version as played by Mr. Penguin. Um, um, I would like to note though that you probably should not play this list even if you want to because Painter Servant is bugged and it will randomly disconnect somebody from the match and then the event and it's not always the opponent. Ouch. Okay. Well, that's useful to know. I'll have to keep an eye on that. Um, so, George, you've got a quick rundown of the 
the decks that you faced on the way to the, the premiere event win. Do you want to just talk us through the quick round by round and how it went down? Yeah, so in round one, I was up against Affinity, and it was Kiribo. Um, game one, I got a nut draw. I believe it was a turn two Helm of Obedience win. And then game two, I was trying to set up an Oath of Druids for turn two or three, and he just got a, he just got a Lodestone Golem out and overran me. And then in game three, he had, like, the absolute nuts with multiple creatures, Skull Clamps, and Gaia's Cradle just killing me so fast. Um, in round two, I played against green, white, black hate bears, and they don't run counter spells. I won on turn two or three in both games. Um, in round three, I played against good game oath, and one of the thing, one of the great things about this deck is that every single non-land permanent, pretty much, is a must counter or you lose. And he didn't have enough counter spells in both games. Uh, round four was a bug delver deck. I went 2-1 and one against him, and in the game he won, I believe he had multiple Delvers and Stifles to stop me from actually winning, but then I got there. Uh, in round 5, I played against Sun Titan Dredge, and I went turn, I went game 1, turn 1, Helm, turn 2, or uh, turn 1, Leyline, turn 2, Helm, and I believe in game 2, I tendrils him out on turn 1. Uh, round six was Stuart Alk, who was undefeated, and he scooped me into top eight. And then in the top eight, I played against the Magic Man 22 with a standstill deck, and I was worried. He had a lot of counter magic, um, but game one, I was able to combo him out real fast. Game two, he ground me down. And then game three on the play, I went for Tinker Blightsteel Colossus with no backup. And he just, he didn't have it. He scooped him up. In the top four was Tommy Topdecker with the Mono Blue Delver deck. And this is where the bug happened. Um, it had happened to me in a daily event a few days ago, a few days previous, and I was ejected. But in the top four, it happened to Tommy Topdecker, and he was ejected. I apologize, Tommy. I didn't know that it was Painter. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. That stunk. You were definitely winning game one when it happened. Um, and then the finals with Kiribo, and I split with Affinity. Cool. Well, well done for taking it down. Um, next up in the list, we've got um, who's got a ticket to the big show. Um, and this was uh, a lot of work by George to keep track of who's qualified for the championships. Um, he's broken it down into deck archetype and um, listed them throughout the event. So we should just run through these. So, George, do you want to take the, uh, the Oath variants? Sure. Um, we have one... Two, three, four, five, six, seven Shoth. And we have one, two, three, four, five, six good game oaths in this pile. And then um, in one of the other piles, somebody also won with good game oath a second time. So there's seven Shoth and seven good games, a split on the archetype. Really? I'm counting, uh, I'm counting a seven to five split. Uh, we've got Montolio on three. Oh, Visual three of them. Four. I got you, got you. I didn't see that. Yeah, Montolio has qualified three times with good game oath. Nice. Which is funny, because I'm pretty sure that he was all about workshops. <laughs> it was. It was all about workshops. Now he's come over to the uh, the bright side. <laughs> 
Okay, he, so... He's playing the good game variant. He doesn't like show-and-tells for some reason. Okay. Well, do you want to give a quick call-out to those who qualified from Oath variants? All right, so we've got Back Goods, Montolio, Condescend, Visual Arts, Enric, Fishy Fellow, Ratavanginmouth. Flaming... that wrong. Flaming Avatar backwards. Flaming Avatar. Awesome. Jizavor, Samwise GG, who is Jarvis U, if anyone was interested. Cat Weasel and Prolepsis 9 or Bing Luke. Uh, a lot of regulars. Prolepsis 9 is a previous Player of the Year winner. The only one really that's new to me is Jizavor. I, th- I think I think there was some Twitter debate over whether Samwise GG was being played by another pro. I can't remember who it was. Uh, it could have been Drew Levin. It, that was it. It was, it was Drew. Yeah, it was Drew. Um, okay, next up, we've got the um, the Dredge, Sun Titan Dredge variants. A um, couple of clan mates in this one, the Wild Dog, um, qualifying with Sun Titan Dredge, and Stuart ULK, who's had uh, three runs to the money with Sun Titan Dredge. Um, Sandy Dog MTG, who had the run to the premier event top eight, and the Crispy One, who has had um, a Sun Titan Dredge, but also a, a Slash Panther Shops um, 4 0 as well. So that takes those out. Um, next up, we've got um, a, a bunch of blue base decks, so that would be fitting to hand over to Zach. Yeah, so we got um, starting out with Fifi Fofum, and he was running, he, he moneyed two times with his quite unique. Uh, UW Delver Stoneforge Counterbalance Crazy Blue White something deck. Um, Jack Sad did two monies with uh, UW Delver Bears and uh, one was Good Game Oath. Uh, Tommy Top Decker had two monies with the UB Delver. I assume that's the X Scorpio type build. Uh, I think so. Okay. And then uh, Emang. Uh, moneyed with UW Delver Stoneforge Counterbalance. I assume similar to Fifi Full Fum. Correct. It's a it's a legacy port. Okay. Okay. And then uh, Pyrite 199 and Gaines Banding both uh, moneyed with Bug Delver and uh, good old X Scorpio's back with uh, the Merfolk as mentioned before. So interesting to see these. Where's the other Merfolk? Oh, is that Fifi Full Fum? Yeah, uh, Fifi Full Fum had one Delver and one Merfolk. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, so those are the uh, the blue variants, not counting the Magic Man or Oath. And George, on to workshops. All right, so we've got Alberto Dolph and Cram7, both rocking it with Forge Master Shop decks. Um, and although the next set of decks all play workshop, they are not a workshop deck. Uh, we've got Affinity, placed by Chiribo twice. Um, once by Maltico and once by Calavera. Beautiful. And then rounding out the uh, the decks, we've got the Magic Man 22 with his um, blue-white standstill deck that made the top eight. And we've got um, X Shockwave X with his um, workshop-based blue control deck, which also made top eight of the premier event. And then we've got some, sorry, a guy who is not a donk, a very nice guy, Wiffy <laughs> Penguin, playing Cinnamon Toast Crunch. So I George is also... The, I am the sole combo deck in the uh, qualification. Yeah, I was really expecting there to be lots of past in flame decks hitting the money. Yeah, what happened to that, guys? 
Um, anyway, moving on. <laughs> George has taken the time as well to not only compile this, but also to run some stats. So, George, you want to talk us through the table that you've inserted on here? Yeah. So, once you once you get all this data into something that you can actually look at and digest, you've got a very clear-cut metagame of Oath and Delver as the top tiers of the metagame, and then Dredge and Affinity bringing up the rear. Um, there are 151 decks that have placed since the 21st. 43 of them are Oath variants, and 14 of those 43 are a 4-0 or top 8 slot. Sounds good. That gives us a 28% of the placing metagame and 35% of the qualifications. That's pretty ridiculous. I guess Oath is not dead. We had a talk for a while about Oath being on the major decline. Well, I think that the reason Oath has skyrocketed because Affinity skyrocketed out of nowhere. And the only deck that Affinity can't beat is Oath of Druids. It's like a 100 to 1. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, I've been I've been playing against that deck a lot in, in TP just because there's been so many games while I've been at work and stuff like that. And one of the things I notice is the scary thing about that deck is you also have to get that Oath down fast. I mean, if they hit you with one one turn of attacking, the Oath isn't good anymore. If if you if you don't get Channel on turn one or two and you don't get Oath on turn one or two, you probably lost. Yeah, it's it's a fast, fast, fast deck. Um, but that that is enough to you know put the stops on affinity. I guess the next best thing would be really fast LED combo. But there's a lot of blue in the metagame. Yeah, it's definitely you know not to move away from the chart here, but just by looking at this as an outside observer, this is the best time I've ever seen for storm based combo. I agree with you 100. Shops is on the way decline. The best decks to handle it right now are probably Merfolk outside of shops. And come on, it's Merfolk. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's a good time for Storm. I think you were on the right track with the Cinnamon Toast Crunch run. I, I really think Combo would be solid right now. Yeah. Maybe it's time to crank out some gush. <laughs> okay. So next up in the list. Delver? Delver. Delver. We've seen Delver. that card before. It looks like this little guy, I mean, he's, look at that. He is almost doubling up Dredge plus Affinity as far as the number of placings. That's nuts. People love the Delver. Um, 29 placings, 8 qualifications. So uh, using George's pie chart or, or formula here, it's uh, percentage of placing decks was 19% and percentage of qualified decks were 20%. Pretty good deal. Uh, eight of the qualified decks are Delver-based strategies. That's that's a lot. Yeah, Delver Delver is not a bad choice. It's got some tempo plays. Um, a, a big bonus for it is Stifle hitting with the Druid's triggers. Yeah. Yep. So, Andy, what was next here? So, uh, next up we have Dredge. Um, there were 17... Placings of Dredge and six four O's. Uh, that brings us with an eleven percent of the placing decks and fifteen percent of qualified decks. And I have to admit, I'm kind of surprised this isn't a little bit higher. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think you know we always talk about the big three archetypes. We'll we'll get to workshops in a minute and really chastise them, but Dredge should be up there. 
You'd think it would be ahead of Delver, right? Um, I would I would assume so because I would think that Delver is a good matchup for it. Exactly. It should just eat, eat a three-two little man. Seriously, Dredge, come on. Um, and it's it's not like Oath is a terrible matchup for it either. I would say that. At worst, it's probably 40-60 post-board. Yeah, and I think a good dredge player, like, uh, let's just pull one out of the hat here, the Wild Dog, would it easily make that a 50-50 matchup. At at minimum. I mean, once you know how to play the deck and what hands are keepable, <laughs> obviously any hand with bizarre pre-board, but post-board, you know, you, you got you got to be a little bit more uh, picky with the hands that you keep, but... Yeah, I mean, I really think that's not the worst matchup in the world. Dredge should be putting up better numbers, I think. And it definitely could change up the main deck, maybe by adding uh, Trastodons or Angel of Despair to help beat the uh, Oath deck. I like Angel of Despair. I think I, I agree with you. That the card's underrepresented. So uh, next up, Affinity. Um, very close to the Dredge numbers, which is surprising. Uh 17 placing decks, four of them qualified, which was uh, 11% of the field of placing decks and 10% of the qualified decks, which is pretty interesting because it looks like Delver and Affinity and all the decks going down the list mostly, the, the, the percentage of placing decks and the percentage of qualified decks are very similar, whereas uh, like Dredge, it looks like it's a higher percentage of qualified decks than uh, placing decks, so... Draw from that what you will, but it's really interesting to see that Affinity has uh, so many players in the money being such a new deck. Yeah, the deck has been around for a month, maybe, a month and a half. Yep, yep. Who was that? Was that Magic Man? Kudos to whoever that was. That was, was Magic Man, who thorough the first time he brought it out. Definitely. Good good stuff, buddy. Um, next up, we've got Blue Control, uh, which took ten placings. Um, it's qualified two people. With a 6% of the placing decks and 5% of the qualified decks. Now, when I say blue control, this is how I broke down the chart. All of the blue decks are either Oath of Druids, Delver, or blue control. Is that mana And I guess there's Merfolk down at the bottom. Is blue control equal mana drain? Blue control is not Oath of Druids and not Delver. Um... Most of them have Snapcaster Mages. Most of them have Jaces. Most of them have Mana Drains. It's really interesting to see the progression. Right after Innistrad was released, it was all Snapcaster, like you were saying. And we were we were all really kind of like all abuzz about like these different variations of these Snapcaster decks that were, you know, two for wanting and getting good, you know, quality things. I, I kind of feel like Danger Lento a little bit here when I say this, but we're turning into Legacy a little bit. We have a lot of little stupid, nimble mongooses flying through the air, and it's like that's enough all of a sudden to, to get you there. It's, it's a weird time right now. I, I, I don't know what to make of it. Yeah, on paper, it just doesn't make any sense. I don't know. Whatever. Um, but so if you look at the three big blue archetypes, blue is crushing crushing classic um it has 16 it has 24 of the qualifications are blue based decks or uh, i'm sorry 26 if you count the merfolks you know that's more than half yeah and i don't know i won't skip ahead i'll mention this when we get to it but 
So yeah, interesting interesting note there. Um, blue control, definitely a drop off though. Ten placing decks, but only two of them qualified. Yeah, um, basically what this says is that Delver and Oath of Druids are superior to not playing them. Absolutely. I mean, just looking at Delver and and Oath right there, that's a one-third. I mean, one in every three of the qualifying decks are, qualify, are, are going through. Blue Control is yeah. at a 20%, not at a 33%. I mean, when you look at it as an archetype, that's not super solid. Well, I, I agree with you. Um, the next deck, Workshops, is actually, it should be above Blue Control, but when I made this uh, chart up, Blue Control was ahead of Workshops. Um, but Workshops, and I mean decks that are playing, you know, 13 Spheres, that is a Workshops deck in this classification. Um, there are 12 that placed, and three of them that moneyed, or uh, that, that qualified. Which is a seven percent of the metagame and a seven and a half percent of the uh, qualifications. You know, interesting. I mean, you can again pull from this what you will, but even then, you got a one quarter pull through. So one in every four of those decks are going through, and four all in the event. Um, and if you look at the rest of the decks that are being played, like Delver and Oath, and the ones that are at the top, it makes a lot of sense because those are the decks that are engineered to stomp on affinity's th- or uh, on workshops throat. Uh, just- affinity also stomps on workshops throat. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that is a big telling reason uh, that top of the metagame why there are so few workshop decks. It's not that they're losing. People just are not playing workshop decks. Now, wh- one one thing to keep in mind though, George, even affinity, um, good numbers it's bringing in there. But even the affinity pull-through is very low. It's just like workshops. It's it's worse than one in four. 17 oh. placed and only four went through. Whereas you look at Oath and Delver, again, you got one in every three. You still got better numbers even than affinity. Uh, you do have better numbers than affinity. And part of the reason is that workshop decks can actually beat an Oath deck. But affinity just beats everything else. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Next up's uh, next up's hate bears and the stat that kind of uh, surprises me a little bit because uh, nobody's qualified from playing the little two two bears. Um, nobody's qualified have... in this data sect. Okay. Has anybody qualified, George? Are you do you have inside info? Yes, in the daily event that happened right before this event fired, I forrowed with uh, four color fish. That doesn't okay. count, does it? That's not hate bears. Uh, you have blue. Hey, That's not. Are you, you running? Are you running Pride Mage? Are you running Pride Mage? There's four Pride Mage, three Meddling Mage, four Dark Confidants, uh, seven Mana Accelerant Dorks, and then blue Counter Magic. That's yeah. yeah. Hate Bears don't have counter spells, bro. Well. It's not Merfolk, and but, it's not Delver. But that's I, think, the, I think it fits under Hate Bears the best. See, the, the reason I don't want you to group that into Hate Bears is because it's not Hate Bears, and that's exactly what I was going to talk to you about, is Hate Bears are kind of like a trivial joke deck. I apologize, animosity model, but what George has is a little bit different. He can stop strategies, and he has answers to threats. Hate Bears is like... I'm looking for a needle in a haystack, and if I find the answer to what you want to do, then I'm in good shape. But if I don't find it, I'm screwed. 
Case in point, the only way that deck has a shot against the, the Shoth matchup is if it finds Caracas. Other than that, it's just going to die. And it has that kind of a thing with all the decks. It has cards that absolutely cripple those decks. But if one of those cards gets removed from the field of play, it just gets stomped on, like, mercilessly. Um, and all of these hate bear decks, they are either green and white or black, green, and white, with the majority being the three-color junk. You're going to get mad at me, but I think your deck is way closer to Merfolk, is what it sounds like. Really? I mean, I you guess it... blue guess counter it, magic and, and blue... Meddling Mage, I don't care if it's white, too. It is a blue card. It is I, like... I mean, you're right. It plays out a lot like Merfolk as opposed to hate bears, but it's just filled with two two bodies that don't stack. See, that's why you need a new line. You need to call it fish. That's fish. Well, I do, anyway. I do label it as four-color fish in my deck editor. All right. Anyway, we're going off tangent a little bit, so let's get back on the show. Um, and next up is um, Lion's Eye Diamond Base Combo, and there's been seven of them placing and only one of them qualifying. Four um, percent of the decks placed, and two point five percent. Oh boy! <laughs> that bang sack. <laughs> um, so, do you want to take us into goblins? <laughs> Well, before we get to Goblins, we got LED Combo. Um, and just want to say, hey, what's up to the funny Uncle Richie? How you doing, buddy? Hope everything's well. Um, LED Combo had seven placings and uh, one qual. And it looks like it had a 4% overall placing decks and 2.5% of, uh, of uh, qual decks. And obviously, I think this is uh, Georgie Poo. Um, yep, I'm the one. And it's amazing. I feel like we just heard this. I guess if you weren't screwing around with Andy, we we would be on goblins. <laughs> I disagree, but okay. <laughs> you just you just parroted what Andy said while you were typing him to suck your tangent. No, Andy went to goblins. <laughs> oh, I didn't. Anyway, let's move on. I was, I was on lines like diamond combo. Oh my god. We've totally lost the plot. Um, <laughs> it was so goblins. So Not good enough, guys. Not good enough. Pick a different creature tribe. Look, Merfolk can do it. Tell you what, Merfolk have got the best percentage of qualifications. Oh, they do. They're, they're a 66% chance to qualify. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> Keep that up and I'll be impressed. Yeah. And then we've got the Cockroach, Red Deck Wins, one person placing, Dark Times, one person placing, and Elves Combo, one person placing. So it takes up to a total of 151 placing decks with 40 to 30 qualified? Uh, 40 decks that uh, place or uh, got a qualification with 30 unique users. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. So that's where we're at, guys. Um, good luck trying to qualify for the championships if you haven't done already. And pick a deck that you think can uh, can cruise through this workshop light meta game. Uh, maybe it's time to really trick everybody and uh, run run some kind of uh, stone combo as we've discussed. And, um, I would uh, suggest you run the four color fish hate bear merfolk better than deck that we were joking about. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like it could be a good plan. And we'll hopefully jam in another podcast before the championships to bring you up to date with all those people that have qualified. Um, good luck getting your full ponders and having fun in Classic. Um, you know what? I guess... One thing I want to squeeze in here before we wrap it up is uh, 
One other thing you guys can do out there, if you have questions about Classic or you're getting real close to having a, a decision if you want to go forward, Untoward Parable started something on the uh, Magic Eternal forums that I think is a good idea, and that is talking about the... Uh... Go ahead. My penis. <laughs> oh, I'm so <sorry. laughs> Untoward, well, yeah. Untoward Parable posted on our forums here asking asking about classic, and he's real close to getting into it. Um, and, guys, that's something I, I recommend you all do. If you have a moment and you're real close to joining, but you're, you have that little bit of uh, tentative nervousness about it, um, hop onto our forums, ask about it, and somebody will help you out and put you on the right path. I mean, got a lot of Clan Magic Eternal guys qualified. We're, we're here to help. So stop in and, and check us out. Yeah, Absolutely. Parable has been uh, texting with me and the client. He's getting close to getting in there. He uh, he's been grinding drafts to pay for his classic cards. Okay, sounds like a difficult way to do it, but hey ho, it's good to see more people getting into classic. I really hope that this uh, this this wave of enthusiasm that's coming up through the the, the celebration and the new players that we're seeing continues into the new year and. Uh, Classic and stay buoyant and continue to fire those daily events. I also hope that this is a bit of a bit of an opener to Woxy and that they schedule a few more um, time slots for Classic, which are a bit more friendly to the user base. Um, so anyway, guys, I guess that's it. That's the first ever live recording of uh, Yagmoth Soap Opera. We hope you enjoyed. Uh, lots of data, lots of information. Uh, get playing in those events. Get qualifying. We must thank uh, PureMTGO.com for hosting us and MTGOTraders.com for sponsoring us. Um, we'll see you all um, hopefully in seven days. Um, have a good one, guys. I think we'll see you in six because this will be coming I, out Friday and we want to be on every Thursday. But we missed this week. We'll be on it better next week. Uh, see you guys next week. I agree. And awesomeness. Let's keep it going. See ya. See ya. Bye.